Welcome to this episode of the DGD Podcast. As always, Robert Reynolds. Today we've got Harrison Reno from Top Dog Talks. Welcome to the show, Harrison. How are you doing, sir? Thank you, Rob, for having me today on the show, man. It was a, it's a pleasure to always be with you, man. Looking forward to getting going and talking some ball. Yeah, I know. It's kind of, it's kind of last minute. Obviously, some changes to the, the show time and things like that, but we are here and it is all good. Uh, with that being said, though, guys, just keep in mind, the show is sponsored by Lots of Rain. Use code DGD at checkout to get 10% off of your purchase site-wide. Also, join our Discord today at the link below, discord.com forward slash invite forward slash Bones Brigade, and become a Patreon subscriber, patreon.com forward slash DGD podcast. Now, with that being said, Harrison, a lot of stuff going over the weekend and a lot of stuff to talk about, right? You got the Under Armour camp in Atlanta that happened yesterday, and there's going to be some interesting notes there. Uh, obviously, recently over the weekend and into late last week, I think it was more uh, to a couple of decommitments as well from the 2023 class. So we're going to talk about that. And Georgia finally has their offensive line coach, uh, obviously just waiting for it to be official uh, in uh, coach. <clears throat> excuse me, Searles. I think that's hopefully I didn't butcher that name. <laughs> uh, so there's a lot to talk about. So why don't we go ahead and get started? Uh, with that right there. Well, first, we're st- we'll talk about the um, the camp in Atlanta, right? Uh, look, you know this, you know, going to Atlanta, there's a ton of talent in the Southeast. So, you know, there's always going to be just a ton of talent wherever you go, especially Atlanta. Didn't disappoint one bit. You know, obviously, I think the highlight of the camp was probably, what, Caleb Downs, right? Well, number one safety in the country. Uh, but look, there's some, there's some kids that really shone out um, you know, Bo Hughley, uh, McElderry, both commits for Georgia now. Both of them had a really good camp. Um, you know, obviously you look at uh, what King Edward, I think it's King Joseph uh, from Buford, also had a really good camp. I think he was like the MVP of the whole thing. Um, so, you know, very good camp there. Uh, I'm going to give a shout out to my guy, Jamal Jarrett, though. My man dominated. Uh, you know, obviously I've been saying on the record for a while, He's been underrated. Uh, you know, recruiting services are sleeping on him. Yeah, you can't do that anymore. You just can't do it. Um, really impressive, just bullying centers and, you know, guards and things like that. Uh, one D-line MVP camp. Uh, so hats off to my man, Jamal. Uh, Harrison, what were your takeaways from the camp uh, at Atlanta yesterday? Uh, you know, pretty much like you said, I think no one could ignore Jamal Jarrett anymore. No one can ignore a lot of uh, the North Carolina talent that is coming out of North Carolina. Grimsley in particular, I think, you know, I've been following everything you've been covering over there at Grimsley. And, you know, they got a lot of talent. I I think that's obvious. They have a chance to run it back in the state title. I don't know how many state titles they have now in the state of North Carolina. uh, But it is getting up there, I can tell you that. They won it about, what, two years ago now? So, uh, And that was with Travis Shaw. Um, And and now there's Jamal Jarrett. You go from one – five-star prospect to another one who is going to be a five-star prospect at some point if he is not already i mean he's i think he's what he's six five three hundred so yesterday yesterday jamal clocked in at six five three thirty nine whoo and to put that in perspective i think jordan davis was around the 340s as a true freshman so these comparisons to jordan davis guys are legit all right um, 
you know, watching some of the highlights and things like that. Look, he's, you know, I've always wondered what it would be like to see Jamal go through and, and come, you know, go against some elite talent. And it showed yesterday going three for one in his one-on-one reps, D-line MVP. You, you, they just don't hand that shit out to you. So you've got to earn that, right? So, you know, looking at that right there, look, his recruitment changed yesterday. And it, it, obviously it's going to be a big deal now. And, and you, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see A&M or, you know, other schools that kind of like laid low on it. Yeah, they're not going to do that anymore. They're, they're just not going to. And and if they do, they're, they're stupid in their own right. I'm just saying. Most certainly, so, I think. You know, Alabama's going to get in on there um, if they haven't already. I mean, most of the SEC, once one SEC offer comes in, most of them start flooding in. Uh, it's just kind of the trend I've seen over the last few years. But I think, like you said, everyone's going to start getting in on Jamal Jarrett. I mean, the man is a freak. I mean, you're talking 6'5", 300, near 340 pounds. Um, definitely has the height and frame to play in the SEC. Has the height and frame to play anywhere in the country. Uh, he can go to the NFL with that height and weight and go play and be fine. Uh, you know, I have not watched much of him on tape, not as much as you have and some other people have. But, you know, just from hearing from what everyone's saying about him, he has talent. He is not just someone that is going to go into the game and sit, you know, in the middle of that defense and just take up space. No, he is going to stop your opponent's run game, and he will get after the passer. I think, uh, you know, that's something that's that's something that everyone's going to be evaluating. Trey Scott, Trey Scott, Georgia's D-line coach in particular, is, you know, how good is he as a pass rusher? Uh, where where is where do his strengths lie and where are his potential weaknesses? Obviously, you know, with Jordan Davis, the big question was, how long can you play him? How many snaps can he play a game before you gas him out? You know, right now, you know, obviously look at Jordan Davis. We kind of know Jordan Davis to be that kind of two two down guy, right? First down, second down. What I saw yesterday from Jamal has every has all the potential to be three down player at his size, which is just even scarier. So, so you know, look, you know, obviously, you know, people want to assume Jordan Davis is just as mauler when it comes to the run game, and rightfully so. Um, you know, and Jamal is the same way. And right, looking at this season, looking forward to this season. Look, I had Coach Rigsby on here, defensive coordinator for Grimsley. We're kind of both on board here. That line is loaded. I know last year Grimsley had, you know, had Travis. They had some Wade Thompson, um, and that was a really good line. But what I've what I've heard, and what I'm expecting, it's going to be dangerous. And you know, obviously, we know, you know, I know Jamal in regards to what he's able to do. But when he was doing it against the elite talent, it just kind of solidifies, reconfirms things. Um, so, look, Jamal, hats off, sir. Uh, had a great damn day yesterday. But now, look, you know, obviously Jamal was had a good day, and there was a lot of other good ones too. Um, you know, it just shows you, right? It just shows you the elite talent in the Southeast. Um, you know, and kind of just moving forward here, I know there was another guy. Uh, that you're you actually have some kind of ties and and uh, proximity with, and that's KJ Sampson. Uh, out of Newburn, and with that being said, you know obviously releases his top five updated, takes Georgia out, puts Florida State. What what do you kind of know about that? What are your expectations there moving forward? Do you expect maybe you know Georgia to kind of try to find a way back in, or what are your thoughts on that? I you know I I don't know what uh, Georgia is going to do in regards to KJ Sampson. Obviously, he is one of the most talented. Uh, not not only defense alignment in the state of North Carolina, but also in the country. I think in his 2023 class, um, you know, 
he, he's going to be heavily recruited. I think you've already seen Alabama, Ohio State, Florida State. Um, trying to remember off the top of my head, I think South Carolina um, is potentially Clemson's in that top five, I believe. Um, there are some really good schools in that top five. A lot of top talent, uh, a lot of, you know, the best coaches in the world are going after him. So, you know, to be honest with you, you know, he, it wouldn't surprise me if Georgia tries to get back in on that one. I don't know uh, how much communication there is going on there, um, to be frank with you. So we'll see. You know, obviously Georgia took. I, I think KJ is going to fit in at, great at the next level. I think he's a three-tech, um, which makes him kind of, you know, different from a guy like Jamal Jarrett, who is your true nose tackle, um, you know, straight-up Jordan Davis replacement, as people said, with Bear Alexander um, from this past recruiting class. KJ is more in the mold, I think, of a Devontae Wyatt. Uh, physical at the defensive, you know, physical at the point of the attack. He's going to be quick. He's going to get in the backfield. He can stop the run and, and get after the passer. I, I, I'm excited to see him grow and excited to see uh, where all he goes um, over this next year. Yeah, no, I'm 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 kind of curious about that too because obviously that that's kind of a sting for Georgia recruiting, especially within the state, you know. But at the same time, I think where Georgia is as a program in regards to recruiting, you look at it in a sense of, well, you know, that's just one that you know might miss, you know, we might just kind of be you know lessening the interest there and then focusing somewhere else and maybe even someone better. All right, that's the typical thought behind Georgia recruiting at this point, you know. So obviously, you know, looking into that right there. Obviously, with you know current you know interests and things like that, and look, I'm telling you now, Jamal loving some Georgia, and that's fine. That's completely fine. I want him to be, uh, you know, and obviously, it's, you know, you can't get them all, right? With that being said, obviously, we can't get them all, and we lost two commits, uh, Kyan Kyan Lee and um, DeQuavia Sori, uh, in, in in order actually. Uh, you know, I th- I think. If I'm not mistaken, I may be wrong, but I think there's some ties with the Fran Brown hire that kind of changed Kyan's uh, uh, thought process behind his recruitment, made him want to reassess. And look, and every kid has their own reasoning for that, and that's fine. You ever have to respect it? I do. But what does that mean for Georgia when it comes down to obviously losing a defensive back like uh, Kyan Lee? Because I, I love Kyan Lee's take because he's a thumper. Kid can hit. Uh, and can cover, right? He's got the he's got the measurables that I think Kirby likes, but he can hit, come down and hit. You know what does Georgia look at? I, like, and obviously everybody wants to focus on this past year's you know DB Hall. At the same time, you do have to understand that you kind of need to keep that that uh, keep it full, right? Keep the cupboard full in that recruitment in that in that area. So, what what does Georgia you know do they look you know do they look elsewhere? I know we've got um, we've got time. But at the same time, and honestly, there's some elite guys. 2023 was a class where you're going to get these elite DBs. It's just loaded. Uh, and obviously with, with DeQuavius, right, losing a receiver, that's probably the spot that Georgia needs the most help with. And you just lose a top 100 receiver. Um, you know, so the question for me now looks – I look at it as it's not that I don't trust uh, Coach McClendon. But what is he going to do? What has he got up his sleeve? Because I just feel like it's coming. Knowing knowing his recruiting prowess back in the day with recruiting the running backs when he was a running backs coach and everything, I know he can do it. Uh, he's an elite recruiter. I need to see it. 
does that mean that there's something bigger in the pot coming up that we don't know yet? Who knows? Right. But I think those are the questions that I think me and probably a lot of the other fan base are wondering too, because those two positions are ones that we kind of have questions about, right. Whether it be depth or, you know, just numbers. Right. So I think that's key there. So losing a top 100 guy in a position of need is scary, right? It's, it's scary. It concerns you. And, and like I said, rightfully so, you know, but look, the 2023 cycle, there's a lot of receivers and there's one in North Carolina here up near Hickory Ridge. And, and that's Christian Hamilton for the 23 class. I think the kid would be a really good fit for Georgia. Um, that's a name to keep on the radar there, but look, there's a lot of talent. And I, and you know what, at the end of the day, I trust Kirby coach B Mac to get the job done until they prove to me. Otherwise that it just doesn't happen. Um, but what are your thoughts on those two D de- uh, two commits or decommits? I should say, sorry. With those two, you know, obviously with recruiting, you're never officially out of the boat until signing day. So I think there is a chance that Georgia gets in on both of them. Uh, when you look at both of the decommits uh, and look at the time frame of both of them, obviously Kay and Lees came right after the hire of Georgia's new defensive back coach, Fran Brown. And then you look at DeQuavia Story a few weeks after the hiring of Brian McClendon, um, he decides to step away from his commitment to Georgia and, and look elsewhere for the time being, I, I'm not too worried about either of them. Think you know because I know you know when you lose a position coach, there is a chance that you will see a few guys decommit and reevaluate their commitment. But if Georgia wants them, they will continue to recruit them. Uh, you know, Kay and Lee, like you said, he he is a good football player, and I think he fits the frame and fits the mold of a Georgia defensive back. Uh, the only question I think people will have of him, uh, and, and it's the height. But as we know, as you look at, you know, Deion Kendrick, Deion Kendrick is not six foot uh, after research, and I think he's like 5'11". Uh, maybe six foot in cleats, but I think he's about 5'11". And we all Sounds saw right, what yeah. he did. Yeah, I mean, he's, you know, and, and he's still going to be a top 60 pick in the NFL draft. Maybe goes first round, depending on, uh, you know, what organization takes him. I could definitely see him going late first round. So, you know, height is not an issue if you can cover a receiver like De'Aaron Kendrick did or like Kamari Laster is going to do um, if he's ultimately the guy to step up at defensive back. So, yeah, Kamari Laster's got to be a dog if y'all ain't heard. <laughs> oh, I mean, I mean, just go watch, a, you know, the oh. plays he made last year as a true freshman. Uh, granted, you know, it was in a reserve role, but you can see there was a lot of promise there. Obviously, he gained enough trust to play uh, in some games late last year. So, you know, Georgia has a lot of DBs, like you said. They just got a huge DB recruiting class, one of the best in school history. So, you know, obviously with that comes more competition for the 2023 class as to, you know, spots in that DB room. I'm not too worried about Kane Lee. I think, you know, if he wants to go to Georgia and Georgia wants him, they will go back after him. And I think this could just be a transition period for both of them as they start to look um, at their other options. For DeQuavia's story, obviously, uh, you know, there are some ties to Georgia's roster, one being Xavier story, if I'm correct. They are related, if I remember. So, you know, they're, yes, they are, uh, he, they are co- cousins. So I'm not too worried about that one either. Obviously, it comes a few weeks after the hiring of a new receiver coach and the loss of Brian McClendon. I, I, I think, you know, despite the criticism that Brian McClendon, uh, that, Cortez Hankton, excuse me, got as Georgia's receiving coach for, you know, maybe not going and getting a Jaden Hazelwood or a Luther Burden. 
Cortez Hankton was a good recruiter, despite what anyone says, despite no all doubt. the criticism. He no was doubt. a good recruiter. I mean, you look at George Pickens, Jermaine Burton, you know, th- those two guys alone, Lad McConkey, he found those guys. He got them to Georgia. You know, obviously, Lad McConkey being a stunning find and a, and a huge breakout star um, from the moment he set foot on campus. So, you know, I, I think that was coming down the pipe when you lose a position coach. You know, we could see it at offensive line. Maybe we lose a commitment. Maybe we don't. Um, speaking about offensive line right now, you know, Bo Hewley, one of the top def- uh, offensive linemen in Georgia's current 2023 recruited class, did take to Twitter to announce that he is reaffir- that he re- is still, I think he said, 100% still a dog after yep. the loss of Matt Reaff- Luke. Basically reaffirming it, yeah. So, you know, we'll see how he reacts to the hiring of Stacey Sterrell, something that we will talk about a little bit later on the show from what you said. So I, I-, I think right now, you know, I don't think there's much to worry about for Georgia's recruiting class. Like you said, Kirby Smart and all those guys will get it done. I think this is just ta- uh, a transition period for the recruiting class where they're going to step back, get to know these new position coaches, and get to know some other schools that they may have overlooked um, because they wanted to go to Georgia. So I- I'm not too worried about it overall. I-, I-, I think it will work itself out. Oh, no doubt. Yeah, I mean, basically, you, you look at four words, and I think – you know, most fans need to try to do this if not already doing it. And that's in Kirby, we trust. And look, he's people can question this and question that. But I'm telling you right now, for me, I'm looking at it in a sense of, hey, he won you a national title. He knows what the hell he's doing. Let, right? Like, trust it <laughs> until, in, until proven otherwise, right? Like, just trust it. And obviously, that's another thing that we're going to talk about. And we'll go ahead and honestly just talk about it right now. Um, and that's the new offensive line uh, coach. Excuse me, Stacy Searles, right? Uh, offensive line coach from North Carolina previously. Look, he has history at Georgia, right? He has history here uh, coaching uh, under Mark Rick as well. And, you know, so, you know, kind of talking about this in Kirby we trust, right? Right now there's a lot of skepticism uh, from the initial, you know, backlash and the hiring, right? Like the initial wave of, you know, how to take it. Where some people were okay with it, I think obviously looking at the timing of it, it needed to be done, and it's done. Uh, you know, but then you got the people worried, like looking at North Carolina and saying, "Look, look at his how his offense was," and it's like, "Pump the brakes, Chief. Pump the brakes." You know, you look at you know, there's different factors here, right? Different scheme that they ran, different different talent levels, things like that, and what he's coming into is going to be a lot different too. So. You know, what you saw last year, you know, I heard heard takes like, oh, they ruined, you know, his offensive line ruined uh, Sam Howell's draft stock. And I'm like, get the fuck out of here. Like, that makes no sense. So you sit there, you, obviously you look at the tape and look, North Carolina's offensive line was kind of bad. Don't get me wrong. There were the statistics don't really lie. You can't lie with statistics for the most part. So, you know, they allowed a lot of sacks. But if you, you know, my man Brooks, you know, Brooks Austin, shout out Brooks Austin. Um, you know, showed it perfectly earlier today and was like, you know, missed assignments, right? Different things like this. He's a D1 offensive line coach. You know that, you know, you know that it's going to be instilled. It's just a matter of execution and they did not execute whatsoever. So, you know, looking into that in that regard, you know, the stats are kind of misleading. And, you know, when you get him around the talent that Georgia has in the offensive line room, different scheme, right? All these things like this, there's the potential for change in, in a positive way and, in, and really an extremely positive way 
uh, for, for in regards to the potential. So, you know, what were your thoughts initially on this hire? You know, initially I was kind of shocked. I mean, it, it, was, it was a name that kind of came into the mix uh, late into the process. I think the first time I saw his name pop up was either this morning or sometime late last night. Um, that Georgia was looking into hiring him. So, you know, and, and I think that's that's par for the take. I think, you know, we all should have been immediately keyed in on the fact that, hey, you know, it is unusual for any, you know, position coach that Georgia's interviewing uh, to have their name leaked, that they're getting looked at, that, you know, there's so much attention around them that, you know, it looks like Georgia, that that is going to be the choice. It, you know, it's not confirmed, but it looks like it's going to be a choice. I, I think we should have keyed in on that, obviously, uh, the favorite, as in, like, you know, if I had to pick, predict back after Matt Luke left, you know, I would have probably predicted Will Friend just because there are, like Stacey Sterles, past ties to the Georgia program working back. Both worked under Coach Rick and worked with Coach Bobo. So, you know, there's some ties there. But, uh, you know, I, it, honestly, it's not a shock that, you know, this name kind of came out of nowhere within the last 24 hours. So my initial thoughts on him, you know, there's experience there. We've seen what he's done in the past. We saw what he's done at North Carolina. Uh, he was with Georgia from 2007, 2010. Left Georgia for the University of Texas. Uh, you know, I, I don't remember too much of him back at the University of Texas, so I can't really tell you how well he did. I can just tell you um, when he was at Texas, it was towards the end of Mac Brown's reign. In fact, that he, I, I believe, he was the coach right up uh, until Mac Brown uh, ended up resigning from that post at Texas. So you know. I mean, like you said, he's going into a room that has more talent than any position group he's probably coached in the last five to t- you know five to ten years. I I, I don't think you know any posi- past position group he's coached is as talented as this one is going to be. The biggest challenge for him will be holding on to those guys and getting those guys to compete uh, and, and not enter the transfer portal. And then then you come to the fact that he has to get a recruiting class. And you know, luckily for him. It's almost the beginning of March, and he has until next January to sign off on that recruiting class. So it's it, it, it's prime time for him to, to come into Georgia, get in here right before spring, meet the guys, and then start recruiting your tail off because you know, just as well as I do, that's what it takes if you want to coach any position or any job, you know, at the University of Georgia. No doubt about that. You know, looking into it, right, I think, like you said, on to end the point here, you look at – you look at the timing of this, right? And obviously Georgia had to get something done. March is obviously the dead period start or ends tomorrow. So you, now you have guys visiting campus at all times, right? The whole month, I wouldn't be surprised to see a kid there almost every day almost. Um, you know, and obviously big weekends. With that being said, you know, the uncertainty of not having a heck, uh, have not, of not having a coach, that's ne- that negatively impacts recruiting. And you know how Kirby values recruiting. He's going to make sure that things are set up. And, you know, also to your point as well, you know, there's a lot of guys that were named potential, right? Like Alex Atkins, things like that. How many, how many of them sat there and used this job title position or this job search as a way to get a promotion and more money and things like this? They use it to boost it. They boost themselves. That's what you see. That's what that's what Georgia does now, right? If you're looking in the if you're looking in the search for if your name is thrown out there, either you're about to get paid from your current employer, or you're actually becoming to you're actually coming to Georgia, and kind of shows right, it just kind of shows. But with that being said, though, you know, like you said, 
it's, it's a matter of keeping these guys together because there's a ton of talent right now, a ton of talent on this Georgia roster in regard, especially offensive line. Keeping them together is going to be the hardest part of this new job. It's just going to be, you know, we know he, he gets guys into the league as well, right? So track record for NFL talent, I still say like 20, 20 to 30 guys or something like that had to have over his time. You know what I mean? So he gets guys to the league. That That's a recruiting pitch. You, you, uh, you, people might negatively recruit against last year, but, hey, we're not North Carolina, fam. We're Georgia. We're the fucking Georgia Bulldogs. Different situation. You're and right? I got the exact so number being for said, you. That being said, you know, I, obviously I think it's going to be key here to see what current current offensive linemen in the Georgia program say and what recruits say, right? I think initially the, the hire is a good hire, right? Now we'll obviously see. And the fact that once he's once he's there at Georgia and able to recruit and get to get in these kids, you know, face to face, that'll be telling, right? That'll be completely, completely telling. Um, obviously, with that being said, though, you know, thinking about the recruiting, uh, obviously tying back in, you know, do you think, do you think Georgia looks at different recruit like, because we've got McEldery, we've got Bo Hughley. You know, I'm thinking we take several more offensive linemen in this cycle because I think this cycle is actually a lot deeper than for sure last year, right? Last year's was kind of boo-boo uh, compared to this year for sure. Are your expectations with offensive line recruiting, are you expecting us to take more of those guys? Or do you? what are, you, what are your thoughts there initially? You know, we, I think we spoke about this um, sometime last year talking about offensive line recruiting and, and all that. And like you mentioned, you know, last year was a down year, I would say for offensive line as a whole, you know, especially in the class it's, it's, and most of it, you know, I'm, I'm sorry, Brooks, but I'm gonna have to get on your lawn here for a minute. Um, it, most of it's because of the COVID year, you know, and the lockdown. So, you know, the skills guys, you know, they got faster. The offensive line got slower um, because, you know, it's one of those positions, one of the few positions in football where, it's not a 7v7 position. You can't do much work, you know, on your own. Yes, you can work on footwork. Yes, you can, you know, can't really work on your hands other than maybe I think Aaron Donald does karate or something like that where he works on a set. Now, granted, that's a defense alignment. But, you know, offense alignment may be able to do the same thing. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, and I think that's the big part of it. So, you know, how how does it compare to the 2023 class? Obviously, these guys have had one extra are gonna have one more year of high school play, one more year of work before they get to the college level. Um, so yeah, I expect a rebound now. As to how many Georgia takes in that offensive line room, I think Georgia took what four, three to four guys this past year. Um, I believe and, so, yeah. And they're all I, I would say underrated, maybe underrated. They were all low, lower rated guys. They weren't well, their, I, I, I think outside of Ernest Green. Uh, outside outside of, of Ernest Green, I think you're looking at guys that might be underrated or, you know, or lower rated for sure. Because I know what Jacob Hood, um, three was it? So you had Jacob Hood, you had Ernest Green. Oh my Bobo. goodness! But oh, Drew Bobo, yeah. So, I, mean, I think they took four, right? Four or five. Yeah. I think so, so. And and they're all lower rated. They, you know, I mean, look, I I think you've seen it as well as I've seen it. You know, fans were like, "Oh, why is Georgia not recruiting all these dang five stars this year?" Um. You know, if they trust their evaluation in a three-star more than they do in a five-star, let them take the three-star. You know, why take some five-star 
when you can get a lab McConkie, you know, if you have a, you know, if you evaluated a five star and you don't like the evaluation, don't like him as a player. And then you have another three star that you love the evaluation of. Why not take the three star that you're more comfortable with evaluation wise? So I think that's what Georgia looked for in their offensive line last year. And it's going to be the same thing this year, except I think, like you said, they will rebound Um, as to how many they take. You're going to have to replace Warren McClendon. Uh, You know, according to some, he is a first round pick in the NFL draft, you know, when he, I could, I could see it, honestly, I could, I could see it. And I mean, who else? I, I think he's the only major starter that it, off the top of my head. That you might have to worry about Xavier trust, but that, like you said, that's more, that's beyond your starters. Like, I mean, I think you, what we're looking at right here, if, you know, based off of my assumption, if I were to look at it today and what I thought would fit the best, I, you know, if you, if you have, let's see. If I, if I go five across, I think you go Broderick. I'd love Mims. I'd love Mims at right tackle, but left guard would be a wild pick. But we've got so much. We've got so many guards that I think you can get away with it. Oh yeah, and I mean Tate Rattledge played. Didn't even play a game last year. He, he played. He played two downs before he got hurt. Yeah, and was out for the season. So and he was starting. You know, which is crazy. I think he's a redshirt freshman, or he's either a rising sophomore. Yeah. I don't remember yeah. if they redshirted him or not. But anyways, the point stands. You know, Georgia's loaded. They got a lot of guards. You're trying to replace your depth at tackle just because you're you're losing Jamari Sire this year. You're about to lose War McClendon. So I expect them to take a tackle or two this class, I think probably two, uh, to start preparing Make sure for the you loss. keep Bo Hughley. I think that'll be key there. He will be Mc- a big McElderry, one. Look, McElderry might be a three-star, but I'm telling you right now, he's going to fit just fine in the interior oh, oh, of that yeah. offensive line. Because that I mean, dude is that, look, that dude is mean, and that's the same, and that's that energy you want on that offensive line. You want a mauler, and you want a mean son of a bitch, that's, and, and that's what you get with McElderry. And, and, and it's crazy. Come on, it, it's crazy because you look at the past few linemen to go to the NFL. I think Solomon McKinley was a three star. Uh, I, I don't remember. I think Ben Cleveland may have been a four star. Uh, who else? Justin Schaefer was a three star. So there is a history of developing these three star offensive guards into big time players and, and, and NFL talents. So, you know, taking a three star across the offensive line, if they trust the evaluation, then everyone else should too. So, you know, I think your take maybe a couple guards now, I mean, right now we're talking about something where we don't know who's entering the portal. You know, we haven't even hit spring ball. So, you know, there could be even more gaps in that room where Georgia's taken a, a third offensive tackle and maybe two guards, you know, so they, they will, I think Warren Erickson's also senior this year. So you're, you're losing him as well. I don't know if he'll start this year, most likely will, but depends on how Georgia wants to shape its line at guard. Yeah. And looking at, we're just talking about the offensive side of the ball too. Just imagine on the defense, right? Cause looking, looking on the defense, having to replace, you know, obviously this year we're having to replace Jordan Davis and Devontae Wyatt. And honestly, this this 2022 cycle did that and then some, right? Miss, you know, replacing guys, inputting, you know, Michael, Kristen Miller. So your defense, you know, and, that, and then Marvin Jones Jr., which I cannot wait to see that kid play off the edge. <laughs> cannot wait. Looking at that right there, obviously this upcoming year, now you're going to have to sit there and replace Nolan Smith. You're going to have to sit there and probably, you know, look around at what Tamara Waltauer, different guys like that right there. Um, Zion Logue will probably – I think Zion Logue might be able to be if, – if he has a good year, I think he can leave if needed or if he want, if he chooses to, I believe. 
think he's a, he I checked yesterday. He is a junior. Um, yeah. Which you know, which is awesome, and I think he looked good last year when he was playing in more of a reserve role. Although he did get some snaps with that first team unit playing next to, uh, I think it was Jalen Carter at times last year. So yeah, and I expect him those two to be the one-two punch on the interior. But don't count out a guy like Warren Brinson. Uh, you know, Warren maybe- Brinson could be having a good, could be set up for a really, really good year this year. I this think year if, I had to, if I had to choose though, beside beside. Jalen Carter, I, I think you give me Zion Logue. Or, you know, a lot of people sleep on Tyrion Ingram Dawkins. If, if he's healthy, kid's going to be a baller. He's just got to get him on the field. And, and I think what? I, I think he's going to play three-tech uh, Ingram Dawkins. I, I don't remember yeah, exactly he, what he was boy. looking he like. Would, he, would probably play, he would probably fit in just fine with that Devontae White area, in that area. So, yeah. And, and Georgia looks really good at three-tech, I might say. Because, I mean, you look at their, their past recruiting class, a lot of those defensive tackles they took – or uh, guys that can play three tech. I think you got two guys that are probably going to play nose tackle for you. I think Bear Alexander can play nose tackle and three tech. So there's some versatility there. Question with Bear Alexander is, you know, when do you get him back for fall camp? You know, he had that shoulder surgery, and I think he's supposed to miss all of the spring, if not miss most of it. So, you know, you won't get him during the spring, most likely. So you guys, you know, that's going to be some lost time you got to make up for. But Georgia's loaded on the defensive line talent-wise. Now it's just about getting those guys come out and come play. Uh, you know, there are some questions, but I, I think Trey Scott, uh, after this past year, he, he will get those questions sorted out. Oh, no, no doubt about that. I, I think you look at, you know, obviously what we've got this upcoming year is well, uh, Jalen Carter will be a junior or no, sophomore. Junior. Junior, yeah, yeah, yeah. So okay, so excuse me. Wow, I'm all over the place. <laughs> it's all so you I, lose. Well, it's, it's it's crazy with the retro and the COVID rule. You're like it, it's so confusing, man. But at the same time, because I mean, technically he has an extra year, obviously, so he'll be a junior. With that being said, after this year, you know, you really lose that true nose tackle, right? But this is this is why the 2023 cycle is so important. You sit there, you have the potential to pick up a guy like Jamal Jarrett that can literally fill right in with that three, you know, with that nose tackle, the true nose tackle, right? Like a legitimately a true up zero tech right in your face nose tackle. What would it be like getting a guy like, you know, Jamal and then pairing him with, I don't know, whether you wanted to look at Bear Alexander at the three or – you know, Tyrion Ingram Dawkins at the three. Hell, maybe even a guy like uh, Caden McDonald, uh, if you pick him up from this class, right? Or Xavier McLeod, another guy that's going to have a fucking good uh, 2023. He's going to be shooting up uh, rankings and stuff too. But you also have guys like, you know, on the edge, like hypothetically, what would your line look like? Let's do this. Marvin Jones, Kristen Miller, Bear Alexander, Jamal Jarrett. I'd be I'd be fucking sitting there looking at that like oh my god I'd be freaking out that's just too much size too much athleticism too much speed especially on the ends ooh ooh so Trey Scott you got your work cut in but I trust you man I trust you if you and do that's the thing you know I I mean you you just named off you know some of the top talents over the last what recruiting class alone Christian Miller. Michael Williams, Michael, Marvin yeah, put Jones. Michael in over Christian. Who knows? And honestly, 
you know, from from what I've been reading and hearing on Michael is he's Trayvon Walker. That's what everyone's comparing him to. He has a he has a slimmer build, makes him look like an outside linebacker. I mean, I saw a photo of him uh, a few months ago. Dude did not look like a defensive end. He looked like a outside linebacker, which was crazy, you know. So, you know, I don't know if they'll put weight on him uh, and make him kind of play more of a Trayvon Walker role, you know, or they're going to keep him where he is right now and maybe add some more muscle and, and bring him off uh, the edge as an outside linebacker, 3-4 outside linebacker, which is basically a defensive end in the end. They're both edge rushers. You know, it's just about where they position you and what they scheme you up to do because, you know, no one can tell us that Trayvon Walker's playing the same role as what a Nolan Smith. I mean, you know, you're designing Georgia last year was designing their pass rush for guys like Adam Anderson when he was with the team, designing it for you know a Devonte Wyatt at times. You know, because Jordan Davis obviously draws the double team, depending on what set you're in. So, you know, I'm I'm really excited to see Georgia try and scheme these one-on-one guys with some of their young guys. Uh, it, it's really going to be exciting to watch this defensive line grow and develop because they're only going to get better as the year goes on. This is the perfect, ex- or I guess you could say, explanation point when I'm driving the statement home that Georgia is reloading, not rebuilding. <laughs> like, Just listen to all these guys, possible, you know, possible schemes, uh, you know, possible plan position. It's just insane. The depth is just – insane right now obviously looking at guys like Kristen looking at guys like you know Michael that haven't touched the field yet right we, we're just going off of potential but potential matters at some point too right I would rather so like yeah you put them in you know get them on the field it, look obviously we know this if you're good enough you're going to play period right oh, Here, oh you're gonna play. as Patrick Oliver says sorry I'm late crazy day <laughs> I understand you're gonna need a you're gonna need a pass to uh, get counted as present today, Patrick. Uh oh, tardy. <laughs> <laughs> no, so you know, look, obviously with the defense, you know, from a recruiting standpoint, the 2023 class is deep. It really is, you know, especially on the you know on the defensive side of the ball. And, and honestly, looking on the offensive side, I think you can rebuild your offensive line class in this class. There's a lot of good talent there. Um, you know, you could also look at, you know, receiver. I think receiver is the spot that we have to take advantage of, capitalize on. If not, I really don't know what's going to happen because, you know, at the same, at some time, at some point, you know, you can, but I don't know how long I want to bank on just truly developing guys. Give me some guys with elite talent and, and let them shine a la Pickens. Just saying, like if, if you're looking at if you're looking at one position, let's just go ahead and narrow this down. If you're looking at one position in this recruiting class that Georgia has to hit and capitalize on, what is it? I, I agree. I think it's I think it's receiver. Uh, you know, it, it's I haven't looked too much into receivers in this 2023 class, so I'm I'm curious to see what these guys are looking like, and, and you know. Where is the next George Pickens? You know, where is a guy like Jermaine, uh, like Jermaine Burton, someone who is a high four star uh, that everyone is comparing to an Odell Beckham Jr. or Jarvis Landry? Yeah. You know, find those guys and get them to Georgia. Because, like you said, we Georgia does not want to be like 
the University of Florida under Dan Mullen, where you're waiting three to four years before you compete for the SEC East. Georgia wants to win national titles. You need to go out and get a Jalen Waddle, a Henry Ruggs, a Devontae Smith, at least every two years. Get those guys in and, and, and really, you know, build up the reputation of Georgia wide receiving of the wide receiving core because right now I think the only thing that's holding them back from being able to get those guys is the fact that they don't have the consistency of building those guys up like Alabama and Ohio State. So I think you know the the bright side of having Tom Munkin for another year is you're going to continue to transform the reputation of Georgia's offense and you will show to these guys like hey you come to Georgia we will throw you the ball. Look what Brock Bowers did as a tight end. Look what you know George Pickens is as a freshman. Look at Lab McConkey. So the reputation is going up. I just think you got to be able to get those top receivers. Yeah, as Patrick says here, his um, his position group that Georgia has to hit and has to get right is receivers as well. <clears throat> and you know, obviously, I think I think we're unanimous here. Um, honestly, if if I want to be a devil's advocate. I think you need to get the quarterback right too, and even the running backs. Because I honestly, I, I, while I'm here, I, I will say running backs because of this. You get two running backs in Branson Robinson, Andrew Paul, that are really good, but you're about to lose two more. So getting the right ones are key. Now the thing about it is, you look at what four, the at least the top four in my opinion, where you look at Justice Haynes, Ruben Owens, Richard Young, uh, Traylon Webb, those are four of those are four of the top. You have to get two of them. Now, the key is, and this is why you got to get it right, which two? If I had my way, give me Justice, give me uh, Ruben Owens. Give me those two. But is there a name maybe we're not thinking about right now that could fall, you know, that could be under the radar? that we like to say that could come out of nowhere and just have, and just blow the hell up. Do, do, could you see Georgia take three running backs? We typically see two, but could you see three? Because keep in mind, you do have Dejon Edwards that if he doesn't feel like he's getting enough playing time, either he knows to wait his turn or he leaves and goes somewhere where he can go get playing time. So you have to keep that in mind. Could we see three running backs? It very well could. It, it wouldn't surprise me because, like you said, if Kenny McIntosh and Kendall Milton both exit for the NFL after, you know, this next season, you're left with Dejan Edwards, Branson Robinson, and who am I forgetting? Andrew Paul. That's three running backs. I don't think Georgia's going to go into a season with three running backs. You know, no, I, you, they, they want at least five. That you go with five. <laughs> yes, you go with five. So it wouldn't surprise me if they take a third one and go with six. I think it all depends on, you know, what, what you know, do, what are the expectations of those guys? Are they all three coming in here expecting to play right away? Or are two of them, you know, expecting to sit? Or, I mean, obviously Kirby, Kirby's shown his willingness to rotate backs almost too much for, for my liking, but it works. Thing about that is this: you look at the niche, you know the niches that these guys have. You know, Dejan comes in understanding that he just waits his turn and gets gets reps when he gets reps, but he's kind of been patient waiting his turn. 
at some point it's going to pay off for the man. You see what happens with Brian, um, what Brian Robinson last year, right? Sits there in Alabama, pays off, right? Just sits there patiently, patiently, boom, pays, time pays off. Dejan could have the same result, but at the same time, you still need to you still need to hit those backs, man. James you know, Cook, another Kirby, example. Kirby prides himself on the RBU, but at the same time, you know, trying to, you know, expand out, right? And try to branch out and become a more potent offense. And and look, that's what we need to do. But at the same time, you just want a national title with an elite defense and an efficient offense. So just make your efficient offense and be okay. And it shows you that's the recipe that you can win with, right? It can be better, but at the same time, it's it's more than sufficient. We saw it. And, but, and if I could just add, Robert, real quick, you know, talking about this, I think, you know, the the formula the Georgia – you know, going off Patrick's point of receivers on O and secondary on D, my biggest, you know, concern, I think the biggest hit point that Georgia needs hit on out of this recruiting class and the next one is probably defensive line. Uh, talking about hit rate alone, you know, you got all the five stars and four stars you want. Now, can you develop them and get them to that next level where, you know, yeah, Georgia's secondary was not the greatest we've seen under Kirby Smart in his tenure yet. But it was good enough because you had the defensive line to go pressure Bryce Young every snap. So, you know, for me, it's receivers on offense and defensive line on defense because the fact your formula for winning the national championship was having that strong front seven. Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right, right? (laughs) I think secondary is probably the biggest thing here. But at the same time, you know, looking at linebackers, right? You know, obviously – I feel like we're set with where we are at linebackers, but it never hurts to get the right guys to come in. And if there's a guy, you know, in this class, I think you go for him. Um, you know, obviously looking at what we've got with Xavier and and Smile Mondin, uh, you know, looking at that right there, I think we're set for several years there, right? And currently, you know, currently the 2023 class, we do not have a linebacker uh, committed. I expect us to take at least one, whether it be outside or middle. Right. But in my opinion, I think Kirby's not going to sit there and just pick some guy just to fill a number or a quota. Mm-hmm. He's going to get impact players there. If it's, you know, if it's a, if it's a position that we don't necessarily need, it's kind of a luxury to have, but Kirby will do that. Right. He'll pick a guy to bring them in as a true luxury, but be a impact player. I, I could see that happen there. But at the same time, you know, I think with you right there, secondary is probably the biggest factor here for me. Um, you know, but obviously, look, there's a lot of time left up until, you know, early signing day, national signing day, right? Like kids still from 2022 class still ain't committed yet. So it never stops is what I'm saying. But there's just a lot of talent in this 2023 class. I think it's a loaded class. And honestly, I was, me being from North Carolina and, you know, looking at it right here, the state, is, the state of Georgia is littered with five stars, four stars, what it seems like. Holy cow. It is insane. And really elite talent, right? And, and kind of going back to the beginning of the show, guys, the you know the camp in Atlanta last uh, yesterday kind of proves the point. There's a lot of good talent there just around, you know, just in the states of Georgia, Alabama, you know, even, you know, even Mississippi, the Carolinas, right? Tons of talent in the southeast, so you know Georgia's got pickings what they want. They got picked to what they want, but at the end of the day, they got to make it happen. With that note right here, though, guys, we're going to wrap it up. 
for today. Stick around for a little Q&A. With that being said, though, Harrison, just released a, uh, a obviously revamping your podcast here. You got us co-host and everything. I'll let you talk a little bit about that. Let the folks know what's going on with that, man. So, as you can see, sorry about the background, guys. I'm still trying to get a quote-unquote studio set up, as Robert well knows. I got to get me a background that looks a little bit more better than just, you know, a room. So, I'm getting that all set up. That's that's why I got a little banner behind me, a little, uh, not green screen, a virtual green screen, as I think, virtual background. So, and I got to get a bigger desk so my microphone, you don't see the back of this microphone. But, yes, y'all can go find us, the Top Dog Talk podcast coming at you every week we are in the process of getting ready for a live show similar to what robert does now so you can go find us on all of your major platforms you can find me on twitter at top dog underscore blogs i'm harrison reno robert i do want to say thank you for joining uh for letting me come on today and i do look forward to having you on the top dog talk podcast once again later uh hopefully sooner rather than later Hey, we, we can we can always work on that, no doubt about it. So make sure, hey guys, make sure you go go follow the podcast. Really good content there, uh, obviously with Dan and and Harrison there too. With that being said, have a great day, and we will see you next time. Go, dogs. <laughs>